Thank you for joining us. Here at BLC, our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. I want to dig right into things. I know that um, I usually have a tendency to go long, so I'll try to reel things in a little bit. But as I was thinking about tonight's talk, uh, I found a, a statement that Jesus made in a couple of different passages that I want to kind of touch on tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there and just kind of see how things go. So uh, let, let's pray, and we'll kind of unpack things. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for faithful people. Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you that you help us to see truth that you give us the, the faith to walk these truths out in such a degree that we are not only receivers ourselves, but we're able to take it to other people. So open the eyes of our understanding tonight. Stretch our faith, Jesus, in your name. Now, in Luke chapter 5 is where I want to start. And I know we've talked about this passage several times in Luke 5 uh, about the uh, the man with leprosy, but there's a, there's a point I want to get to. But I, I as I was putting my thoughts together, I, I couldn't just leave that out. So let's let's just start in Luke five verse twelve, and we'll just kind of go from there and and uh, pick up on some things that Jesus talks about. And in verse twelve, it says this, and it happened when he when Jesus was in a certain city that behold a man full of leprosy. One of the things I want you to notice. Take your time with some of these passages because Luke, Luke is a physician. And so his writings sometimes, I mean, what you'll see with Luke is that he brings out little details. Like the other two, they don't say anything like he was full of leprosy and Luke does. So it's little stuff like that that Luke will notice about things, but it says, that this man was full of leprosy and he fell on his face and employed Jesus saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, obviously, we've had enough of these conversations to know that the if you're willing question should not be an issue with any of us in this room. Is that correct? If you talk to someone that that still is the issue, because I can tell you over my years as a pastor, that has been one of the things. Well, if it's God's will. And we'll touch on some of that as we move through this, but you need to know this one passage right here, and it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it lets us know the will of God. Jesus is. This is one of the things that you should get settled in your thinking. Jesus is the manifested will of God in humanity. When you watch Jesus, you see the will of God in action in a human. And he says, Lord, if you're willing... I know you can. And then Jesus put out his hands and he touched him and he said, I am willing to be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him. Now understand something. Jesus is still operating under the Old Testament Mosaic law. Well, in that time in history, you had to go report to a priest. The priest was the one that determined, that decided, okay, yes, you are in fact healed. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Uh, as a testimony, as Moses commanded. And then in verse 15, watch this very carefully. And the report went out concerning him, concerning Jesus, all the more, and great multitudes. Now, we've talked about this many times. Multitudes is thousands of people. 
And this is the key that I want you to understand. They came together to hear and be healed. But what came first? Hearing. This is one of the things that we, we easily overlook in today's church is because we just want the instant. We live in instant world, instant pudding, instant coffee, instant everything. And, and that doesn't make it better. Faster is not always better. And sometimes we just have to realize that God wants us to slow down for a second and listen. Because the word of God, there is literally healing power in God's word. The psalmist said that God sent his word and he healed his people. And Luke lets us know that they came together to hear and to be healed. Let's go to Luke chapter 6 and I want to show you this one more time. Now let me set up Luke 6 because this is one of my favorite accounts in Luke 6 of, of Jesus' ministry. And I love the fact that um, Jesus so often... He was so intentional in highlighting the Pharisees' religious ideologies. And he shows up in the synagogue and he's preaching. And there's a man in the synagogue with a withered hand. And the Bible lets us know that the Pharisees are there. And now I want you to see the heart of the religious world because it hasn't changed I can tell you if, you, if you ever get to the degree where you step out and, and you actually go to minister to sick people, the religious world today will come against you. It's the same spirit that came from, from the, the realms of darkness. It is, he hasn't changed. And these Pharisees, they are in the church, and the Bible lets us know that they're watching Jesus to set him up. To see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Their mindset was this. Well, there's six days to heal. Heal on one of those days. Let them suffer on the Sabbath. What kind of busted heart is that, man? But they're the preachers of the day. And so often that spirit of religion is still just as ugly today. And so those Pharisees are there. And, and Jesus is there. And he recognizes the gentleman with the withered hand. And he turns to the Pharisees and he says, which, what, what is right here on the Sabbath, to do good or do evil? Of course, they didn't say anything because they already know. And then he looks and he tells the gentleman, he says, and, but when you read the story, the Bible says that he looks at the Pharisees and he tells the gentleman, stretch out his hand. Because I'm telling you, I can, you know, I try to put myself there and I can see Jesus staring at those guys, just staring them down like, you hypocrite. And he actually calls them hypocrites if you go read the story. He says, stretch your hand out. And the dude stretched his hand out and he was healed. And of course, they, they, at that point, they let look at him. He healed on the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath. But they didn't, they had no clue. They could not see the Christ standing right in front of them. Anyway, uh, and, and then from that point in Luke 6, Jesus goes and he handpicks the 12 disciples and then he's teaching. And in verse 17, and he came down with them, with the 12. And he stood in the place where the crowd was with his disciples and a great multitude. Once again, great multitude means thousands. A great multitude from Judea, from Jerusalem, from Tyre and from Sidon. Watch this. Who came to hear and be healed. This is the thing I want to kind of highlight this evening in our talk. 
Because what I've discovered over the years in my journey is this. I mean, people, if you've got an issue, you want to be healed, right? Nobody wants to be sick. But what I've discovered is this. In today's modern world, we want the healing, but we don't want to take the time to hear anything. We just want Jesus to do a miracle. Jesus did a miracle. He came to the planet, took on humanity, died on a cross, rose from the grave, bore sin, sickness, and disease in his body for us. He did a miracle. Now, are there manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in the church today? They are, but I, I, I am 100% convinced that God is looking for a group of people, and I'm going to show you some of this, time permitting tonight, that he expects us to walk by faith in this world that we live in, to believe what Jesus has already paid for. See, we want the healing, but so often we don't want to take the time to hear anything, and unfortunately, most of the people that won't take the time to hear, they seldom see results. Now, some people say, well, that's not fair. Okay, it may not be fair in one sense of the, of the scope of humanity, but God is always just and righteous and fair. And his way is right. Let me ask you this. If you take a fish and take it out of water, is it going to make it? Why? Because it's designed to live where? In the water. Your born-again nature is designed, it's built to live a certain way. You're no longer just human. Now, I know this may, be, this may stretch some of you tonight, but at some point as people of God, as the born-again, I don't think we talk about these things enough. They had to hear first. See, as you begin to hear some of these truths tonight. <clears throat> so if you, haven't, if you haven't gotten a miracle and you need healing in your body, then according to Jesus, according to his own life, according to his ministry, his teachings, what's it time for? It's time for some hearing. You all heard me tell this story many times. My father in the faith, Brother Hagen, he was born in 1917. And he had, you know, you understand the technology then was very limited. And there was something wrong with his heart. And it stopped, and they thought he was dead. And in this small town, farm town in Texas, well, they took him, Cody, they took him out back. It was going to bury him right then. And then the doctor saw some life, and so they brought him back. They finally got him to a hospital, found out that he had an incurable heart disease. Said he wouldn't live past 16. Well, at 16, it hit him, and he winds up paralyzed in a hospital bed. And he's laying there, and of course he's been raised with the Lord, you know, and, and he, ha he says he has his mom's Bible with him, and, and he's so weak he can, he can barely turn the pages on the Bible, and that's all he's reading. And his friends, his parents, his preachers, they would all come, have you read this magazine? Have you read this book? Don't... What's wrong with you? Why are you just reading the Bible? They called his family and said he, he's lost his mind. All he wants to do is read that Bible. And they would ask him, why don't you read other stuff? He says, I don't have time. You, you, you got to get this lesson tonight. The only thing that he would put in him was the word. That was it. Now, I know. I, I do the same thing you all do. Yeah, I got, I, 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 amen. But we don't do that. 
Because we're, 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 we're not on our deathbed. You know, I talk to people that are, that are in dire situations and like, do this. They're like, oh, I know that, man. I'm like. And they just blow it off. I'm like, I'm giving you the, the recipe to another day on the planet. Oh, I know that. Obviously, you don't. See, that's the thing. What God wants us to do is get to the place where we are humble enough to say, okay, Lord, it's me. Help me with my unbelief. Our key passage in this whole talk is out of Matthew 4.23. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching, preaching, and healing. But what was first? Teaching and preaching. You see, preaching proclaims, teaching explains. We need both of those. We need explanation, but sometimes we just need a shout from the rooftop. Glory to God. Jesus is still alive. He's still the healer. Hallelujah. Come get some of this. Huh? And when you watch Jesus and you follow him, and the reason this is so important because there's a perfect example of this in, in Jesus' own hometown. The Bible says he couldn't do any mighty works there. He just healed a few sick people. Why? Because they wouldn't listen to him. He said, a prophet's not without honor except in his own hometown. Oh, that's Joseph's boy. Oh, yeah. He made it. He, he fixed my rocket chair last week. Oh, yeah. Who, who's he? And, and they wouldn't listen to him as the Messiah. See, in, in God's system, according to Jesus, guys, this is something that I want you to take home today. When his word is preached, there will be an accompanying sign. You know how I know that? Because Jesus said so. Watch this. Mark chapter 16, verse 20. And they went out. The disciples went out preaching everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. See, sometimes if you have a family member, if you have a loved one that has symptoms in their body, sometimes instead of you trying to just step out and do something, you're uncertain. Tell them about healing. Take some of these notes that we provide, some of these healing sermons that I've preached to you, and go tell them. Because he will accompany the word. Now, he won't accompany your opinion. But if you tell him the word, he'll accompany that with signs following. You need, because faith comes this way, we need to have enough confidence that when we put hands on someone, and speak the healing power of God. And, and maybe that's one of the things we need to take a look at if we have time tonight. Because so often we are asking God to do something that he's already commissioned us to do. You don't have to ask God to heal. Healing has already been provided. You need to speak to a situation. I rebuke that system. I speak to that issue in your body. I call life to... Are you, are you with me? See, this is the thing. God's system is already in place, and it's going to take faith for us to learn how to navigate it. The prophet Isaiah and the apostle Paul both said this. Faith for any subject only comes one way. It's from hearing. You have to hear these things. We have to talk about it. Now, as of today, I guess I've been pastoring now for 23 years. And I can tell you, in that, that, that little window of time, this is one of the biggest issues. We don't, Oscar, we don't talk about healing enough. 
Preachers don't talk about it enough. And there's no way if, if, the, if the shepherd doesn't talk about it, the sheep not going to get it. We should have conversations about healing with now not haughty, arrogant, out of balance, overzealous, none of that stuff. But we need to be confident as people of God. You need to know who you are when you're in the room. You need to know that you have the answer. You need to know that when you put hands on sick people, they get well. And you need to be able to look at somebody in their face without any wavering and back and forth and exercise the authority of God that he's given you. Yeah? So if his words on healing aren't preached, healing's going to be difficult. So we got to talk about it. That's why we have these sessions. And I listen, once a month really doesn't cut it. But I give you enough seed in, this, in these once a month talks that you can get with your family, with your friends, with your little group. Y'all ought to have healing groups going on. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't know, see? But that's, yeah, that's what needs to happen. The body of Christ is not a Sunday or a Wednesday thing. It needs to be going on Monday, Tuesday, all of it, right? Yeah. The disciples got this reality, and they went out, and they exercised these things. So when you follow Jesus, everywhere he went, man, he, he, he preached to people. And here's the thing, when you watch it, let me ask you, let me ask it like this. Why do you think they brought sick people to Jesus? Because when you read some of the stories, the Bible says that they came from all of these towns and they brought all their sick people to him. Why do you think they did that? You think he had a website? No. They heard something. Remember what, the woman with the issue of blood? She, she heard about Jesus. She didn't even hear Jesus preach. She heard somebody else preach about Jesus and faith settled in her heart. She said, well, if, if I can get to him, if I can just touch his clothes. Yeah. See, this is what needs to start happening in the body of Christ. I am telling you, we won't need promotional campaigns. We won't need advertisement. We won't need websites. Paula was talking about it in the office the other day. You just grow the arm out. There will be no room in here. Uh-uh. You heal somebody of cancer, there won't be no room in here. Well, when's that going to happen? When we do it. Well, I've been trying, but it hasn't worked yet. Don't quit. We're babies in this. It's very arrogant on our part to just think we're going to walk in this day one. Especially if you've been taught your whole life, it might be God's will, it may not be God's will. That kind of stuff really burns me up, man. Well, God might be trying to teach you something. Anybody that brings that stuff up to you, you call me, we'll go to UK Children's Hospital one time. If I take you one time to UK Kids Hospital and you think God does that garbage, there's something wrong with you. Amen. Amen. I know some of you have been taught this your whole life. Well, God's trying to teach me something. I'm, I don't know if I'll get to it, but maybe. Y'all have to believe with me, okay? So it comes to us getting to the place where we're able to talk about these things because the people would come to hear and be healed. One of the things that Jesus taught everywhere he went, you'll find it in the Gospel of Luke. The Bible says that Jesus was in the synagogue once again. He's preaching, and he opens up the book of Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. Because he has anointed me to preach the Gospel and heal the sick. Yeah? And he's, thank you, Jack. 
And he's anointed us to do it. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that same apostle Luke that we've been quoting, Luke says this, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, Luke lets us know in this one passage, now there's others in there that highlight this, but he lets us know that sickness is demonic oppression. So it's not God trying to, God doesn't have any sickness, first of all. God is perfect. God is good. Sickness is from the realms of darkness. And he said God anointed him to, to do good and heal all that were oppressed of the devil. In John 14, Jesus makes it very clear that it's the Father in him doing the work. I know a lot of people think, well, Jesus was doing what he did because he was the Son of God. That's not true. That doesn't even line up with the scriptures I just gave you. He laid all that deity aside and became a human. And then he told his disciples in John 14, hey guys, it's, it's, the, Lord, it's the Father in me doing the work. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus makes this statement. He says this, Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, whatever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. Amen. So let me ask you this. What about us today? Are we in Christ today? Is Christ in us today? Whatever he does, is that what we're supposed to do in like manner? When are we going to start? Now, I know some of you are doing some of these things, but it needs to be more consistent. Well, Pastor, I tried it and it didn't work. Stop all that mess. We've all tried it and it didn't work. We're babies in this stuff. The disciples tried it and it didn't work. The only one that didn't fail in it was the master because he walked in the fullness of it. We're not walking in the fullness of it yet. I mean, I can tell you as your pastor, I would love to boldly say I'm walking in the fullness of it, but I'm not because, you know, just like I'm walking in the fullness of it unless there's a golf tournament on. Now, nothing wrong. God doesn't care about a golf tournament. But can we be honest? If I'm in, involved in a golf tournament, then I'm not walking in the fullness of it because I'm walking in the fullness of golf. So, I'm just, can we be real for a second? See, we, we have labeled and society has taught us this because the enemy is so... He is so subtle and seductive. We've labeled it, well, it's just entertainment. It is not, it is never just entertainment when it affects your soul. Never. You have to understand that. We are the body of Christ on the planet today. Jesus said in John 14, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, if it's the Father's will, you can do them. That's not what it says, does it? There is no, I, I know I mess with y'all sometimes. You say, oh yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't, say, it doesn't say if it's the Father's will. No, it's, it, it just says straight up. He who believes, it starts with this, believe. You, now, what do you have to believe? You, you can't just believe that Jesus saves you from hell. You can't just believe that Jesus forgives you. You actually have to believe the hero lives inside you. You actually have to believe according to the Great Commission. When I lay hands on sick people, they recover. Why? Because God said so. See, you ought to have this mindset. It is written. It is written. It is written. See, that's the thing. We have to be willing to self-evaluate, to look at our own believing. And from experience, I can tell you that most of us, y'all know I love you, right? But most of us, we are still in wait and see mode. Wait and see, wait, wait and see mode in faith. 
Faith says I have it now. Faith is a conviction. It is you are convinced. Not based on what you see. You walk by faith, not by sight. You're not moved by that. Lord, I have pain. I have symptoms. I have a bad report. It's not any better. I've been dealing with this for years. Okay, and what's God say? I, I, I get it. You remember the one with the issue of blood? What started with her story? She heard, Jack. She heard first. See, so I could tell you one of the things I do just about every day in my life, I'm listening to healing sermons. I'm listening to them. I'm listening to them. Why? Because I have an objective. I want to fulfill the commission that God's put on my life. So it, you, you got to hear it. The only, way, the only way, listen, you can't pray for somebody to get faith. It comes one way. You got to hear it. And you got to hear it. It's not having heard. You have to hear it. Oh, I've heard that sermon before. No, that's not, then you need some help. See, the Lord, he, and I can tell you this. He's had to help me with, with some of these things because if when you follow Jesus, he went about teaching, preaching, healing. I can, Jack, I am convinced that he preached that sermon in Luke 4 from Isaiah everywhere, in every town he went to. I, one of the first things he did when he got in front of him, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed, I bet, I, bet, I bet he preached it everywhere he went, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. He's anointing me. See, some of you all, you ought to just sit in your, your recliner for a half an hour. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointing me. He's anointing me. Because you believe your words more than you believe anybody else's words. Can we be real for a second? Unless you're a liar. Now, don't laugh because there's a bunch of church, church liars. Good, wonderful, heaven-bound people, but we lie. Hallelujah. Yeah, he told him, he, he told, that's right, Jack, he did tell him, you go tell him what I told you. Well, I'm telling you as your pastor, you go tell him what I told you. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord's on you. My pastor said so. More importantly, Jesus said so, okay? <laughs> but one of the things that God has had, he's had to help me with, because when it comes to preaching the same thing all the time, Right? Not to mention the fact that so often people will come to me like, Pastor, why do you always say the same stuff all the time? Because faith comes from hearing, not having heard. Listen, if y'all had it, I remember uh, early on one of Brother Hagin's stories, he used to tell me he, he got in one of his early churches. And he preached, I mean, it was month after month after month after month. He's preaching on nothing but love. And finally, some of his board members came to him and said, when you go start on preaching on something else, he said, when y'all start walking this out. <laughs> yeah. That's right. See, this is the thing. We have to talk about it enough till it's no longer information, but revelation. Guys, stop. Stop looking. Stop listening simply with your intellect. You say things like, yeah, but I done heard that 10 times. Okay. Tell your head to shut up. Because <laughs> that's your head talking. See, here's, here's the thing. Every time you hear the word of God, listen to it with faith. Tell yourself, that's where my answer is at. It's in the word of God. Listen with faith. Because every time the word of God is spoken, taught, read, 
Either a revelation is being established or the one that you have is being strengthened. That should be your approach with the word every time. It should never be, oh yeah, I know that. You ever done that? You're reading through a book and you get to a part where you think you know and you skim that and just skip over to... Thank you. It's not just me, right? Okay. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Stop going to the word that way. Honor the word a little bit more, you all. Think about it like this. You've heard me talk about these things before, but let's say you're at your favorite restaurant and you're looking at the menu and it has 12 ounce ribeye with asparagus sauteed in butter and a baked potato and you're like oh well I had that in 2013 <laughs> or you skip on down to that one and, you, and then you see fish and chips with malt vinegar oh I had that in 2017 Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. See, if we took that, but that's the, that's the approach we take with the word. Oh, I had that back in, I learned that back in, back in uh, 2017. I got that one. You got it? That's really arrogance and pride on our part. You, no one on the planet has the fullness of any revelation from the word of God. This is why, this is why the Joshua 1.8 principle is life-changing for the believer. You got to meditate in it day and night, day and night, day and night. See, too many of us, we simply want to be inspired intellectually. Oh, that's deep. Mmm, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, instead of making room for the Word of God to produce something in our life, we just, we're just wanting to be wowed, you know? I, I remember early on in my, my journey of faith, I couldn't wait to get that person's, that sermon series on that, and I'd go through it. I mean, I would binge a sermon series. If it was an eight-part series, I'd listen to it in, in a couple hours. What's next? What's next? I didn't get a, just a smidgen of what was in that message. I've learned over the years. There are messages, messages that I have listened to a hundred times. And I know I've listened to it a hundred times. And then just the other day, I'm listening to it again. And I'm like, well, I never heard that before. Yeah, it was right there. See, so often our approach to preaching and teaching could, should be that I'm getting revelation from the Lord. God is speaking to my spirit. My, my intelligence needs to clock out. It's kind of, if you will, like the law of displacement. Basically, you can't have two things in the same place at the same time. So don't try Get everything else out of the way. That's why Jesus said, hey, y'all beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You know what leaven will do? Leaven will spread through all of it. You let a little bit of that unbelief get in, next thing you know, you're questioning everything. That's what Jesus' point was. The Apostle Paul told his church the same thing. Jesus told us this. He said, hey, guys, with the same measure that you meet, that you approach the things of God, it'll be measured back to you. So if you come to God with, with your little measuring cup, well, that's what's coming back to you. So you should get loaded up. Get you a dump truck and back up to God. Lord, fill me up. Well, you can't handle that. Let's, let's start with a little bit. Let's get you a wagon. You know, <laughs> you can't handle it. Huh? Jesus said things like this. According to your faith, it'll be done to you. And if healing is according to our faith, according to what we actually believe, then we can't just believe anything we want. 
Right? Look at it from this perspective. And you've heard me talk about this before. Can a lost person believe anything they want and get saved? No way. You have to believe something specific, don't you? Yeah. That's the thing about it. Not only, not only do they have to believe something specific, they actually have to do something specific. You have to, according to the Romans road, you have to believe that Jesus died, that he rose from the grave, that he's alive today. You have to believe it and what? You got to say something. See, from God's perspective, just like forgiveness of sin is a settled issue, so is healing. It's a done deal. Psalm 103 says it like this. This is on your God's Word and Medicine card. Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are they, Lord? You forgive all my iniquities and you heal all my diseases. It's on my refrigerator. I quote it just about every day of my life. Thank you, Lord. You've forgiven me of all iniquity. You've healed me of all disease. See, religion, though, unfortunately, and tradition has made it too easy to put things back on God. Well, Lord, I went to the Lord and he didn't heal me, so it must not have been his will. No, that's just a big cop out. No, healing's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. Look at it this way. Does God let people that refuse to believe in him, now, now pay close attention to this. Will God let a person that refuses to believe in him go to an eternal death, which is hell, because of unbelief? Will he? See, some people don't even want to answer that. Yes, he will. He will not override your will. I will say this, no one, listen to me very carefully, no one sucking air will wind up in hell on accident. No one. God is a just God. He is all powerful. No one will go to hell without a chance of redemption. It won't happen. They will have more than enough opportunities to reject Jesus. Nobody winds up there. It won't happen. But will God let it happen? 100%. Yes, he will. Look at it this way then. If he'll allow that to happen, then he will also allow a wonderful born-again believer to come to heaven early because of unbelief due to sickness. Well, if the Lord really loved me, he, the Lord really does love you. I just read in Psalms yesterday morning that, that the Lord rejoices when a saint comes home. Now, not that God caused it, not that God brought the saint home, but if a saint comes home early, the Lord rejoices that the saint is there. And then you go to the judgment seat of Christ like, look, man, why didn't you do what I told you? Don't like, Now, coming up Sunday, we're getting ready to start my heaven series. You, you guys, John asked me today how I, was how I was doing with that. I'm like, man, the more I dig into this, I'm like, I told Paul, I said, I, I try to have my sermons ready for, by Wednesday for Paul. I'm like, girl, I'm not there. The more I dug, the deeper I got. I'm like, I'm down the rabbit's hole now. I'm, I'm you know. So I got to sort all this stuff out because I got to be able to talk about it in a way that's comprehensive to us, right? Yeah. See, that's the thing that we have to get to when it comes to our journey of faith. God's world, his word, his ways, they are forever settled. And here's the thing you can take home tonight. The just, just like I talked about with that fish a while ago, a fish can't live out of water. The just shall live by faith. You're built to live that way. 
You're built that way. Most of us, though, we're still wanting to practice humanitarian efforts and different things and intellectual processing and whatever it might be, new age stuff, who knows? No, that's going to work. You're built to live by faith. Some of you just need to step out and let go of some stuff. You're built that way. You know, my wife has a little convertible. I have a big old jacked up tundra. I'm not taking her tundra pulling my bass boat. I mean, her, her little convertible. I mean, I look, you're talking about redneck. Like, here's a sign where you got a little convertible pulling the bass boat. <laughs> Backing it into the boat ramp and it gets stuck. And you're just spinning because you can't. <laughs> anyway, side thought. Yeah. Gary's looking at me like, what? I pull a bass boat with my bicycle if I had to, man. <laughs> but so I could talk about them because I am one. I specialize, I specialize right in that. Here's the thing. When it comes to this life of faith, you remember, let me take you back to this statement that, that Jesus told Jairus. Now, some of your more modern translations, they say things like this. Well, just believe. I don't like that. It is true but when you go back to the more traditional writing in the King James and the New King James, Jesus told Jairus when Jairus came to him about his daughter and they'd say, well, don't bother him. Your daughter's already dead. He turned to Jairus. He said, only. What's that mean, y'all? Does that mean 99 percent? Only. Only means one thing. So it, I can tell you in my own life, I'm not your judge, but you got to work this out. I'm not at only believe all the time. Because symptoms, different things, situations, fear, the enemy, friends. Oh, don't give me all that faith stuff. How do you really feel? People, people will pull that card on you. Oh, you don't look so good today. You're, you, you, you okay? I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. The healing power of God's flowing through my body right now. Oh, you sure don't look like it. Shut up. Slam the door in your face if you have to. I love you. Got to go. Huh? I could never do that. Well, maybe that's part of the problem. You need to get some of that stuff out. That was one of the things. Listen, Jesus would get the, when, you, when he went to Jairus' house, I, I don't want to get too far in this story, but when you go to Jairus, when he went there, you know what he did? He ran all the people out. Granny, Aunt Jemima, all of them. He, he, ran, he ran them out. You get out. He got all the unbelief out. And then he went to work because unbelief will hinder the move of God. Will unbelief stop somebody from getting saved? Yeah. yeah. And that's the most important thing that's on the planet. And if it'll stop that from happening, it'll stop anything else from happening. So we've got to get it out. He, he was right when he told Jairus, only believe. You remember the example we have from the centurion soldier when the centurion soldier came to Jesus? He told him, he said, it'll be done for you just as you've believed. We have to believe this stuff. The way do you get to that? Hearing it, talking about it, hearing it, talking about it. Yeah, but my favorite songs, I got my favorite playlist going. Man, I love to jam on the way to work and just roll the windows down and crank it up. That's great, but sometimes you need to listen to your spirit and turn that junk off and put a healing sermon on. Get the word in you because there may be somebody in your break room waiting on you. You don't know it and they don't know it, but they're waiting on you because God's already ordained you to do something. Why? Because according to Luke and Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is on you. He's anointed you to heal people. I'm kind of scared to do it. Okay, well then do it scared. But do it. Yeah? Is it possible? Man, I got to hurry up. That gone it. 
Is it possible that we've settled into a place where we're waiting for a miracle instead of fighting the good fight of faith? Think about it for a second. Faith comes from hearing. This starts with our thinking. Right thinking produces right talking, and right talking sets the course of your life. James says that that's what you do. Your tongue is the rudder of your life. Psalm 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Proverbs says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. The book of Galatians chapter 3 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law Why? Having become a curse for us. See, if you go read Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28 breaks down all of what the curse looks like. Jesus became that for you. And he bought you. You're redeemed from the curse. So you don't you don't that you don't have to give place to any of that anymore. And even though under Old Testament law, when God would pass judgment on people, they would fall under that judgment. Then sickness would be part of that. But sickness never came from God. Sickness was already here due to the curse that's in the earth. Listen to James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't change. He's good and he's perfect. Give me just a few minutes, okay? Let me take you back to the beginning. I mean, you're like, oh, you're going back to Genesis? We, we had trouble. But, but listen, I want to I show, show you the goodness of God for a second and show you that sickness is never from God. In Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse, verse 3, God spoke light into being and he said it was good. God called the earth and waters together and said they were good. He brought the plants and they bore fruit and seed and said it was good. He designed the solar system and he said it was good. He created the animal life and said it was good. He created us like him in his image and gave us dominion and said it was good. And then in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, then God saw what? What's everything? Everything. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. In some of your more traditional writings, this word very good is mighty good, because God is almighty God. So the people of the South have got it right when they say, mm, that's mighty good. <laughs> I know that's corny, but... God saw everything that he made, and it was very good. So, when did he make the bad stuff? Come on. Because this says, so the evening and the morning was the sixth day, and God rested. He was done. So, when did he make the bad stuff? When did he make cancer? Huh? When did he make allergies? Come on, y'all. Because people believe this crazy nonsense. That God, you know, well, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, the Lord's teaching me, the Lord... When was sickness and disease created? Mm -mm. It's not there, is it? This is the thing, everything God made was good. You think about this. You think about Adam and Eve for a second. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Flawless. Brilliant. They, did, they didn't operate on intelligence. 
They functioned in constant revelation. They had conversations with the Almighty and comprehended him. They walked in the garden. Are, are you kidding me? They were eternal beings. And if you could, if you could show up, Sherry, if you were talking to Adam and Eve and, they, and you said, man, my allergies are just wearing me out. And they're like, what? What's allergies? Huh? Oh, my, my, my head is pounding me. Your head's what? They couldn't even comprehend such a thing because those things did not exist in the garden. Not until Adam's rebellion did death come in. And when death came in, according to Romans, through death, sin, and, or through sin, death entered in. And through death, that's where all of the corruption from darkness came in. All of the sickness, all of the curse, all of the disease. And under our new covenant, we're in Christ. And he is in us. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He does heal. But he actually made it so that we didn't have to be sick. Now, I know I'm stretching you a little bit with that one. My staff was telling me today that uh, dandelion, eating dandelions will help you. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm not eating no dandelion. Can we get that deep fried? <laughs> huh? Yeah, no, none of it. It's okay, yeah. Tea, oh, yeah, that's what they're talking about, some dandelion tea. Give me a shot of that. No. Okay, it's good. See, see I, I got to guess a bunch of y'all on it. Okay. Well, praise Jesus. <laughs> what you got over there? I got some dandelion tea. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are you chasing that with? Some, some dragon tail? <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway. I don't know why I brought that up. I shouldn't have. I can already tell. I'm, I'm outnumbered here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, are, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And so he's built us. Even though we are in this fallen, cursed world, we can walk above it. Now, are we there yet? Absolutely not. But I, I believe that if we stay the course... We're going to start experiencing more and more of this stuff. I think the world should see something in us different. Our first response should not be when we have a symptom, go to a doctor. When we have, the, when we have a symptom, drink some dandelion tea. Now, I'm not slamming it. Okay, if it, listen, if it works, praise Jesus. But our first response ought to be our covenant with our creator. Yeah? Yeah. Because of free will, though, there has to be mind renewal. You got to get your mind dialed into these things. Whether we like it or not, this is how God has set up this new world that we've been born into. We're built to live this way. And the only way to navigate that new life is through faith. You actually, not just gaining information, you actually have to believe this stuff. I got it. I got it. I walk around all the time. Here's some of the things I do. Lord, thank you. Your healing power flows through every cell in my body. Amen. Body, I'm telling you to shut up and listen to me right now. I practice these things. And do they fight back? All the time they fight back. Are you kidding me? I'm still growing in this too. But when we begin to exercise these things more and more, and your confidence begins to grow in these things, and you're walking more in the spirit as opposed to in the natural world, you start to see more of a result of it. Amen? 
So whether we like it or not, this is how we've been built to live. So we've got to get to the place where we're honest about our own faith, not somebody else's. Matthew 8, 17 says it like this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. I don't know why I'm pointing over there. Isaiah's not there. But, but, that he himself, that Jesus, watch this, took, say took, that he took our infirmities and that he bore our sicknesses. And then the apostle Peter, looking back at the cross, says it like this in his letter to the New Testament church. And he himself bore our sin in his own body that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were. You were healed. What's word healed mean? So if you were healed, then our, our responsibility is to get to the place where we begin to appropriate. Yeah, receive it, Jack. That was the thing. When you look at that story with the woman with the issue of blood, she, she didn't just receive. She went and took. She took it. So take it. If you're in this room tonight and you still have symptoms in your body, regardless of what it might be, tonight, know this right now. As I'm speaking to you, the Spirit of the Lord is on you. He has anointed you not just to heal other people, but to walk in healing for yourself. It's in you right now. The healing power is working in your body right now. God sent his word and healed his people. His word is medicine to your flesh. It's health to your whole body. Choose to believe this stuff tonight. And according to the Apostle James, you set the course of your life. You take your words, your tongue, and you begin to prophesy the word of God over your life. Father, we love you. We thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It shows us the difference between the natural and the spiritual. It is living reality. It is healing power that has been made available to us. It is your covenant established on pages to bring us revelation that we are these vessels of honor displaying those truths demonstrating your word Lord we thank you that your spirit is on us tonight that you've anointed us to preach your word to heal the sick to set them and then head captive free to proclaim the acceptable year of you Lord Jesus in your precious name amen if you enjoyed today's podcast please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.